Welcome to the People Chronicles Story Women. My name is Anna Rosengara Milch, and I am your host. And today, my guest is Lynn Montemuro. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you. I met Lynn um, in the Miss Pennsylvania Senior America pageant. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am the reigning queen for 2016. But Lynn is also part of my, my what we say, part of the court. Um, she is, was the second runner-up. Um, and so I invited her today to speak with us because Lynn has a great story. All the women in the pageant have a really wonderful story. And I'm going to be bringing other stories as well. But first, I want, up, I want to talk with Lynn. So Lynn, the question is, what is it that you would like people to remember from our chat today? Well, I'd like people to remember that no one can define the person that you are, the, the essence of you, and that no one can keep you from being the person that you really are inside. Yeah. So, so tell me, how have you always felt, felt like this, or is this something that you've come to? Well, actually, um, I grew into it over many, many, many years. I like to say that I'm just a very late bloomer. Um, <laughs> I like to say I'm a blooming idiot because I'm <laughs> such a late bloomer. Um, but it goes back to my uh, childhood. Um, I grew up in a home of abuse. Um, I had a mother who was extremely abusive, um, extremely, extremely controlling. Um, and a father who was very, very moody, probably due to my mother's extreme controlling behavior. So um, I grew up in a home of constant tension and, and um, I don't know how to explain it, like just there was a constant feeling of tension. You were always kind of walking your life in eggshells because you never knew when either A, you were gonna be punished for something that maybe you didn't know what you did, or my father, who was very moody and could go into moods for maybe a week to two at a time, would kind of fly off the handle and say something very mean and cruel to you. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, that's pretty much the story of my life, is growing up in this household of constant abuse. So I would imagine that you kind of live in a state of fear. Yes. Uh, I, I honestly was afraid almost my entire life, including most of my adult life. Um, I didn't really start becoming unafraid till I was close to 50 years old. And how old are you now? I'm 61 years old. So I, like I said, I'm growing into myself at this stage <laughs> sure, of my life. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I think the hardest thing uh, for people to understand is that when you grow up in abuse, no one talks about it. Uh, even my sisters and I didn't discuss abuse. I, we didn't start talking about the abuse we grew up with until I was in my late 40s. Um, nobody really wants to talk about it, and I think it's even now, it, sometimes when talking about it is very painful. Sure. So it's kind of hard to uh, bring that out in the open. Um, I think also there's a lot of shame in abuse. Uh, you, you look inside yourself and your constant in your mind is, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me? You're always saying to yourself, what's wrong with me? Um, and so consequently, growing up that way, I always never fit anywhere. Um, you never feel like you fit because you don't have you anything to feel, share you with anyone. You feel like you fit. You probably do fit, but you don't feel like you, you don't fit feel yet. like you fit because uh, a lot of uh, things that uh, other children would do, or even as a teenager and an adult, uh, other people would get to do. I was not allowed to do. I was kept in a very, very controlled environment. So 
you know, I, I missed out on my prom, I missed out on a lot of parties. And you find yourself making up excuses why you can't go, because you don't want to tell anybody because my mother won't let me go, or I'm afraid that someone's going to come to the house and my mother is going to fly off the handle and say something that would embarrass me, because she has what I call inappropriate behavior. So you might come to my house and she would say, you know, everything might be fine for a little while, but say you were going out the door, she might say, you look fat, or what's that awful thing you're wearing, or what's that smell, are you wearing that terrible perfume? <clears throat> so there's a lot of humiliation and you feel extreme humiliation. So for me, as the years went on, I became more and more introverted, less and less um, willing to have friends or bring people to the house because I didn't want to be embarrassed. Uh, you know, and I was very, very ashamed. And you know, I was afraid because you know, people talk and then you sort of get labeled as this crazy person. And you know, for, for many years uh, when I finally did get married, my um, first husband used that as a way to control me. He would kind of insinuate that I was crazy. And I, for a number of years, I actually thought I was crazy. How long did you stay married for? Um, I stayed married for 15 years. I you put up with that for 15 years? Yes. Well, this was kind of the norm for you then. I mean, you went from one abusive situation into another yes. unhealthy situation. Yes. Well, it's very common yes. uh, for abusers to be attracted to abusive people. You, you might say to yourself, I, I don't want to be an abuser. I don't want to be married to an abuser. But subconsciously, I guess you're attracted to what seems familiar. And it, it, sometimes it's not even on the surface level. It's sort of like subconsciously, it's familiar. And so I, you know, from going to counseling, I learned that you know, a lot of times, it's, you don't even realize that you're attracted to that because it's very comforting in a way. Like you come from abuse, you go to abuse. It's almost like a comforting factor. Sure, yeah, it's your comfort zone. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so what happens then that to break you out of that comfort zone? Because I know you're not there now. You know, right, I know that, yes. I, I do have, know your husband, who is a wonderful man. Yes, your, yes. Your current husband. And so, um, so what, what breaks you out of this, you know? Well, it, it was 15 years. I was married to my first husband, and he was both physically abusive, financially abusive. You know, it's funny how abusers tie you to, you, to them. Sure. They tie you financially. Um, they start tying you financially, then physically, mentally. They tie you in different ways, and you, they cut you from whatever connection you have from the outside world. And um, it was the same thing. I was so embarrassed. I didn't want people to know. I hid a lot of it. And he also cheated on me, too. And I don't think I even wanted to admit to myself that I was married to this womanizing, abusive man, sure. you know? And so it becomes like a kind of a cycle. Um, but it finally got to the point where I was working two jobs. He was much older than me. He was 23 years older than me. And I actually think I married him. And I did state many times that I was looking for stability in my life because I had come from this home that was so disjointed. I wanted something that was stable, that was constant. And because he was so much older, I thought, I guess subconsciously, that marrying an older man would be a stabilizing force in my life, which it was. And in fact, he was even almost more abusive in a lot of other ways. But you had one thing. Yes. If you could tell me that one thing that really has 
has saved, I, I guess, has really saved you and really made you the woman that you are. Well, uh, I think the one thing that saved me was my, when I was five years old, my mother enrolled me in dancing school. And I took a tap and acrobatic class. And, you know, I don't know why my mother enrolled me in that <laughs> class because my mother does not dance. She's not musical. She doesn't, she's not involved in anything theatrical at all. But I always like to say I took a, a class in tap and acrobatics. It was love at first shuffle. <laughs> you know, I, and dance took me to places that you couldn't go anywhere else. Um, it took me to another world. Um, and no one could take that away from me because when I was growing up and even with my first husband, if there was anything that I loved, it was taken away from me. In other words, if there was a piece of jewelry I loved, it was taken away. If there was a, you know, something in the house that I loved, it was taken away. But dance, no one could ever take it because it was in my mind. And I could dance anywhere. I could dance in my room. I could dance outside. And even if I wasn't allowed to dance physically, I could dance in my mind. So that took me to another, say, world where yeah. things could be beautiful I and creative. One of the things about dance, you know, his historically, um, and, and obviously currently, is that there's a real healing, there's a sense of healing to it. I mean, they, you know, ritually they dance to, you know, to heal and, you know, yes. and so, and I hear that that's basically what you did. I mean, you healed yourself through dancing. I did, I did. I mean, dancing is really universal. And when you go to dancing school, you're in a community. So it only yeah. becomes like your family. So even though I was craving stability, I really did have it all the time. I just never realized that I had it in my dancing family. So I would go to dancing school and originally it was like one class and then as I got older I started taking more classes. So I, I was up to at 1.7 classes a week. So I, I just kept dancing and you know that creates that sense of creativity. There's, um, there's the other parts of it too. There's the makeup and the costumes and the hair and the girly thing and you discover things about yourself that you don't know through dance. So I think that's really, um, the thing is that music and dance is very healing. And so I was able to, um, I guess, heal myself. And in spite of all the abuse, even in my marriage and even when I was a child, I refused to give up my dancing. That was the one thing, even though he tried to force me to give it up, I'm like, I'm not giving up my dancing for anything. And I, I insisted that that was the one thing that I did. So and eventually so now, it came up, it I'm healed me. I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. So, and, and now, um, so it, this year, you have taken that dance to the next level. Yes. And you have actually put it out there in front of the whole world to see by entering the pageant. Yes, yes. And I, I have seen her dance. She can, the girl can dance. Um, but I, I think that, you know, it's almost as if this is like almost your crowning moment in a sense, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I think the wonderful thing is as I got involved with the pageant, you know, they have what they call the cameo club, which is the uh, ladies who have passed queens and they perform in different nursing homes and different, you know, venues. Um, and uh, they asked me to choreograph a dance, which now yes. I am, I guess, apparently their choreographer. Yes, she is the choreographer. So, I have to um, learn how to count steps. So now I get to create dances and we perform in different venues, which is really a wonderful thing because you can bring so much joy to people. Because dancing and music not only brings beauty to yourself, but it brings beauty and happiness to other people. So I think, you know, the upside of it is out of every sad thing, 
there's a good thing that comes out of it because you can you can make someone else's life much better yeah. with just a small little bit of of nothing actually it seems like sometimes but you can bring a lot of joy to a, a lot of other people's lives so I think Lynn you bring a lot of joy to, oh, to my <laughs> life I know that but uh, I hopefully and, and and I think what the, the the real beauty of this is that you've learned to bring the joy to your life you you know nobody has nothing that has ever happened to you has been able to keep that joy and you exude that and it's just it's just a thrill to be around you and well I, I, I like to say I'm discovering who I am now I'm actually living the childhood I never had I've gotten to do so many different things and try new things I think people don't realize when you get older they think that the world ends ah. you know like when you turn 40 the world's over when you turn 50 it's even more over <laughs> it's not true it's really not true and you can do so many wonderful things I mean I must have a list of 50 things that are constantly growing that I want to do and as long as you're open to them you can you can accomplish them it doesn't matter how old you are That's and right. I think you should keep on dreaming your dreams and you know especially to people who are maybe much more senior incapacitated you can still live in your mind you can still live your dreams in your mind so I can still dance in my dreams Excellent. and so can anybody else so. thank you thank you thank you for coming Lynn and thank you and remember that you can always dance in your dreams thank you for following storied women on the people chronicles please subscribe to our YouTube channel the people chronicles and you won't miss any stories These community stories are made possible in part by BCTV, Susie Ray Design, Queen City Family Restaurant, Lamar Advertising, Heidelberg Family Restaurant, Reading Air, Lions and Hole, Peanut Bar, and Kutztown University.